Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. Yeah. 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 Hannah Montana said so. You sure. Call Hannah Montana a liar? A little bit, maybe. She ain't calling her a truther. Hey. Oh, look at that. Another Disney show. Disney so Nickelodeon. Much Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. What the f- no, we're done here. I'm That's sorry. the end of the episode, guys. This has been crime culture. Okay, bye. <laughs> play, that, play that music. <laughs> Figure that out for yourselves. <laughs> uh yeah. This has been and is currently crime culture. Mm-hmm. And we um, haven't broken up yet, here. but we're teetering. Mom we're and mom teetering. are fighting. Yeah. Um some quick uh, announcements before we get into the episode. We yes. are still collecting people for our secret Satan. This is a gift exchange with the crime culture community. If you would like to be a part of it, there is the link on all of our social media. It, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and you can not email LinkedIn. us. Not LinkedIn. If you can, uh, if you can't find it anywhere, just email us. So you will be paired with somebody. Um, send them a spooky gift, $25 maximum, and um, we're going to open them all on Halloween and share everyone's spoils together. Um, we are going to send people their Secret Satan partner on September 15th. So submit your information on our little form before September 15th, and then we will um, get you paired up with somebody you have until Halloween for your person to receive their gift. So we're giving people plenty of time to send everything out. Also, we have gotten some questions from people being like, hey, I can't really afford to send a gift to an international patron. Yep. We are not using some kind of fancy equipment here. We are really just like matching people up willy nilly. This is not some professional operation in case you couldn't figure that out. Um, but yeah, we're trying. If, if you, if, if people from the same country, uh, um, are interested, we will obviously pair people within the same country because it's the shipping's easier. And if it doesn't work out, then, um, Caitlin we'll came up with a perfect workaround. I did actually. Thank you, Haley. Thank you for acknowledging you my up. genius. Um, I wasn't even going to bring that up, but. No, um, I discovered that you can, and everybody's going to be like, you discovered this, really? No, this is... You thought of it before I did. I, I'm, But I didn't discover it. Like, I'm pulling a bit of a Columbus here saying I discovered something that has very long ago existed. You can, on Etsy, you can go in and, like, refine your search. You can also refine it by country. So you can send, like, something within that country if you are matched with somebody... Or if you do want to be matched with somebody, but like, for example, in the U.S., certain countries, there's like not an embargo, but like certain countries we it's can't ship to and to they ship. can't ship yeah. to us. No, yeah. like it's straight up not allowed. Like, yeah. I don't know why, because like, I mean, I don't know what people are fucking sending, whether it's like dicks or what. But Whoa. my point is, I mean, it can happen. It can happen. I'm sure it has. Lorena Bobbitt might have an Etsy shop. We don't know. Um, but... Yeah, you can you can go through on Etsy or like I said before, uh, my partner lived in England for a while. And so that's how he would get his gifts was via Amazon because I was obviously not in England. Um, but yeah, there's there's workarounds if you need them. But if you really would prefer not to, we all get it. Believe me, I get it. We're yeah. balling on a budget here. 
I mean, we're doing our best okay. to match people up with somebody within their own country just to make it a little bit easier. But yes. do not be uh, do not be afraid to join if you are from a different country, because there's a lot of different ways that we can work this out. And we want as many people as possible to join uh, our secret Satan. Obviously, if you can hand make something, best case scenario. If not, you can support a small local business and uh, send something through there. Speaking of which, on our Facebook this past week, as yes, you're seeing a couple it, I days think, ago, uh, I shared um, just like a couple of little options maybe people would be interested in. It's a wish list or thing. It has all the links to like a couple of things, all under $25. So if you want to check that out, once you get your um, your match, then um, you might be find something cool on there. There's some like true crime cookbooks, which is fun. Oh. Sounds weird, but very fun. Uh, mugs, obviously. Yes. <laughs> uh, s- like stickers and all that sort of stuff. Just some small little things. I am currently shopping for my secret Satan. I don't even know who it is yet, but I'm so excited. I'm putting a little list together mm-hmm. of what I want to get. Um, I have ideas. Yes. So we're we're going to be involved. So you may even get pat- matched up with one of us. We don't even know. So... Nope. Uh, like I said, September 15th, you have to submit. If you cannot find the link anywhere on all of our social media, just email us, crimeculturepod at gmail.com. We will send you a personal link. Just the generic link, but personally. And um, (laughs) submit that. So that is that. Do you have any other announcements while we're in announcement corner? Yes, actually. Um, It's one of our listeners' birthdays. Not now. But like at the time, at the time not of th- recording, yes. at the time that we're recording this, yes, it's Autumn's birthday. So <gasps> happy birthday to Autumn. Autumn is a very long time listener. Very yes. big supporter. LOL. Lots of love. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that's that's my big that's my big announcement. It's yes. You know, that's 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 all I got. I, mean, oh, I don't I know about you. One other announcement, and then we're going to dive See, straight into is. the episode. I know. I, banter. Um, so, October. Spooktober. We got two episodes a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays coming for you. Now, if you're Hell at yeah. the $10 tier of our Patreon, or higher. you know you... Uh, yes, or higher. Um, then you get to be involved in the poll and saying what comes out. Uh, every month so because everything needs to be recorded in advance and because i am also planning a wedding that was happening in october i didn't know that uh yeah um (laughs) we have to pre-plan everything way in advance so instead of the poll our ten dollar and up uh patrons are going to get a list of our schedule pretty much of every episode that is coming out during spooktober so you will know before anybody else what we're talking about during spooktober and if we have any other like small bits that we record here and there we'll throw them up on the patreon just to give you a little extra but that's what you get so as my art teacher said in uh, elementary school you get what you get and you don't get upset I'm pretty sure that's what everybody's teacher said in elementary school. I don't think it was just yeah. your art teacher. You don't think it was just Miss Casaretto? I don't think oh. I... Have, yeah. Oh. I don't that's remember right. my, my elementary school art teacher. I, remember I don't even know. I have not heard heads or tails of her. Well, you know what? I was, I was going to leave this out because banter, but you said the magic word. Um, all I remember is about my elementary school art teacher is that her daughter, who was a teenager, got a kitten and the art teacher 
came in one day and was like, my daughter left a candle lit while I was working and she was home and the kitten lit its tail on fire no. and went around. The kitten was fine. No, the kitten was fine. The kitten, it was like a long haired kitten. Yeah. So the kitten was, the kitten was fine. The tail was fine because that was one of the first things she told us third graders. And she was like, but he ran around and like lit various patches of our home on fire. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we're and cat lovers here, so we I would never ta- it, tell a story about a, an injured kitten. Yeah, the cat's probably still alive. All right. I was in third grade, so maybe, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it's a possibility. Hey, Caitlin. Was, you can live to be that old. Yeah. What's the episode about? <laughs> I don't even so, think I know. I don't think you know either. <gasps> I don't think I know. I love a Do we have an episode today? Yeah. yeah. No. Um, actually, no. It's funny that you mentioned our Patreon patron pick episodes because- Pull pick. Oh, I forgot a pee. Um, well, funny story about that. Did you know that I struggle with reading a calendar? Yeah. I mean, we did it last Spooktober. Yeah, that's fair. That's true. That's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody got got quite... There was, there was some panic there. Um, no. So I thought that today, when you're listening to this, was still august so i thought i had a, another episode in august to do and obviously that is untrue as of now unless you're going by some other calendar um which if there's another one please let me know in which case i won't be wrong in that particular realm but yeah so our patrons are also they're just they're really like getting hit from all sides but they're um, the best people so it's they're fine. the best people and so therefore they are getting two patreon patron poll picks this month and that means felix is jumping on the desk that's what that means okay amazing okay Firthquake. um they are getting today's episode and then they are getting another episode in september in the future Lucky dogs. In September. In actual September this time. So this is technically August. (laughs) Okay, cool. We're all going to pretend it's August. But this worked out very well, actually, based on my research. Can you not? His butt. All I see is just a a screen full of cat right now. Yeah, well, that's because he's the chunkiest boy. Now he's showing you his butthole. Aw. I'm going to get him. Somebody, whoever gets me as Secret Satan, if they still make a twinkle tush, please... Please, and if you don't know what that is, look it up. Pause this, look it up, and just enjoy. And it can be your palate cleanser for what I'm about to tell you. All right, which great. is the story of Pauline Parker and Juliet Hume. <gasps> I have no clue what this is, and I'm excited to hear about it. You know, honestly, I didn't really know what it is. Like it was one of those things where I have a little notebook uh-huh. where I where I have written down various cases. Yeah, and I, I did the same. Yeah, and I wrote it down and did not know at all this case. And so it was just, it was an adventure for me as I was researching it. I went in with no expectations, no preconceived notions, and y'all get to do the same now, which is fun. Also, I, I saw a couple different pronunciations of Hume. It's okay. H-U-L-M-E. I'm going with Hume. But I I might be wrong. I right. it wouldn't be the first time. We never claim but, to know everything. Well, we never claim to know everything, and low key that won't always 
that name won't always matter. Um, huh. I mean, every everybody's name matters. Your name matters. I'm just saying we'll get into it. So that being said, Pauline Yvonne, that's a French ass name, Yvonne Parker, was born on May 26th, 1938 to a working class family in Christchurch, New Zealand, mm. where her dad worked in a fish shop while her mom ran a boarding house in their inner city home. So she was already, she wasn't like, her life was kind of, it wasn't bad, but it certainly was not, she wasn't living the high life. Okay. Um, she also had a lot of health problems, and that included having a condition called osteomyelitis, which is basically like a bone infection that infects the arms and the legs. And it's, it, it's yeah, it's not a fun thing to have. Um, and this led her to live a pretty like isolated life. So I, I, I wasn't really sure where to put this part in. So I guess at the beginning is as good a time as any. But both Pauline Parker and her mother actually went by the last name Reaper, R-I-E-P-E-R, okay. which irony. Um, but that's because her mother, her father, her mother's partner, Herbert Reaper, they weren't married. And so they, how do I put this? When the events of this case unfolded, it was realized that they never were legally married. And so okay. therefore they were referred to by their legal last names, which is Parker um, okay. to it, it basically I'm going to use that here to avoid any confusion. Okay. Um, well, any more confusion, but so technically Parker, but that's not what she went by. But for nobody knows the case of Pauline Reaper and Juliet Hume. Okay. They know the case of Pauline Parker um, and Juliet Hume. But and speaking of Juliet Hume, so Juliet Marion Hume was born on October 28th, 1938, middle of Spooktober, towards the end, not the middle. I don't know why I said that. In the <laughs> Blackheath area of South London, England, to an upper middle class family. Her okay. dad, Dr. Henry Rainsford Hume, was actually a physicist and one of the scientists who helped develop the British hydrogen bomb or H-bomb in the 1950s. Whoa. Yeah. All right. So very, very accomplished father. Um, couldn't find much on her mother. Couldn't find much on her parents in general, really, okay. um, for either of them. But yeah. So even though uh, Hume came from a different background, like Parker, she also had her fair share of health problems. Uh, specifically, she contracted tuberculosis as a kid. And Ooh. yeah. And had to spend part of her life in the Caribbean and South Africa because the doctors were just like, okay, those are warmer climates. That'll be better for your health. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So when she was a teenager, her family moved to New Zealand, another warm climate, yep. where she met Parker at girls high school in 1952. So the two quickly bonded over basically just like being the sick kids. They both had to sit out gym class, every gym class, lucky bastards. Um, but that's how they met because they yeah. were the only two people not taking gym. Yep. Um, and there they bonded over their love of reading, particularly fiction. Hmm. So while she was still receiving treatment for tuberculosis, Hume later told the London Times Saturday magazine that the doctors in the Christchurch sanatorium, they, it, basically the, the sanatorium she went to, they tried out experimental medications as part of her treatment. Okay. And she said, quote, a long needle in your behind every third morning. Ugh. Yeah. They'd catch you while you were still asleep. End quote. <gasps> yeah. Uh. 
so that sucks enough but also it would later be discovered that these drugs were mood altering as well jeez um so the girls became fast friends and that friendship deepened very quickly like just zero to a hundred they went from like being the two kids that sat out in gym to being like thick as thieves yeah so they became very dependent on one another and spent their time together writing stories which they hoped to sell to hollywood where they would go off together and basically be like the ben affleck to each other's matt damon okay um except with like a little more obsession (laughs) um their stories were basically like a very detailed description of their fantasy life together like different worlds and and like characters and everything except to them it was not a fantasy it was Mm -hmm. real life these characters they developed themselves in their stories basically became their persona not basically they became their personas parker was gina and hume was deborah Okay. And they would write to each other as these characters, Gina and Deborah, and they acted out their real lives as these characters. It's like it's like Beyonce has Sasha Fierce, except Beyonce only is Sasha Fierce when she's on stage. They were Sasha Fierce. They were Gina and Deborah all the time. Okay. Um. So they idolized celebrities like opera singer Mario Lanza and I believe Mel Ferrer, the actor who was married to Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. Um. He, he, I believe, was another one that they idolized. Basically, like, any artist they thought was better above any other profession. And they treated these celebrities they idolized as if they were saints or some kind of, like, religious figures. And they dreamed of creating their own religion that celebrated the arts and music and everything and completely eradicated Christian- Christianity. Mm-hmm. So soon the girls became even more overly attached to the point of becoming withdrawn and actually getting physically sick when they were not together. Jeez. Yeah. So Parker would visit at the Hume's house often, you know, like come over, hang out with your friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was getting to the point that she would sometimes stay over there for days at a time. Oh. Yeah. So all of this caused their parents to understandably become very concerned to the point that they met to discuss the situation and even consulted a doctor who was convinced that the girls were (gasps) in a sexual relationship. Dun, dun, dun. The horror. Yeah. Um, So at about this time, Hume's parents also separated and her Mm. father resigned from his position as rector at Canterbury University College and decided he was going to move back to England and between wanting to like soften the blow of their divorce and also do more to benefit their daughter's health, the Humes decided that it was best for their daughter and her brother Jonathan to go live with some relatives in South Africa instead of being in New Zealand. I'm sure that went over great. Well, <laughs> so when the girls figured out what they believed was Hume's parents intentionally trying to separate them, which wasn't the case, but I'm sure the gay panic of the 50s didn't help their situation either because homosexuality was basically considered to be like a severe mental illness back then in New Zealand and like everywhere were else they, pretty much. Were they in a, an actual relationship? We'll get to that. Okay. Um, basically, being gay was just not just a serious mental illness, though. It was also a criminal offense okay. um, because that makes sense. So... They decided it was basically war on Gina and Deborah 
and that they needed to react and that they needed to fight back. Okay. And so, of course, that reaction becomes violent. So the girls decided, here's what we're going to do. So Hume has to go to South Africa. Parker's like, I'm going to go with you. And then they both kind of talk it over and they're like, Parker's mom is not going to allow this. Like, she's going to yeah. be like, no, my my teenage daughter is not yeah. moving with her friend that she's known for like a year, How two old years. are they at this point? At this point, they're about like 15, 16. Okay. Um, like basically, they they decided that they were going to go to South Africa. They were going to keep writing and become famous actors in America, just like the plan was. The only difference was like a, a quick a quick pit stop in South Africa before mm-hmm. they're going to Hollywood. And despite the fact that it was Hume's parents who made the decision to move to another country, the girls were just like, "No, we need to get rid of Parker's mother, Honora." Because she's she'll the one that would say, be like, my yeah. daughter can't go. Yeah. yeah. So Parker wrote about the what was referred to as you cannot laugh. You okay. cannot laugh. All okay. Right, this, right, is right. Seri- this is fucking serious. Okay. She called it, quote, Moida, end quote. I shit you not. M-O-I-D-E-R. Moida. Moida. She talked about the Moida plot in her diary with the goal being that she would be sent to live with Hume after her mom died. That's the that's the code word, though. Moida, I shit you not, is it's not even like the code word. Like, I'm assuming because they're so obsessed with like celebrities in Hollywood that they watched a lot of like gangster movies like american movies and what do they all have in common like oh bugsy went and moited little jimmy like you know what i mean like i'm pretty sure that's i don't know for sure why i i I was not there yes i was not there but no it's i wouldn't even call it a code word it's like saying tomato is a code word for tomato um but yeah so she's talking about the moita in her diary and Basically, the plan was to kill Honora and make it look like an accident. So Parker wrote that Hume was, quote, worried, but does not disagree violently, end quote. Which is like, okay, yeah, that's a resounding yes to me. Sure. So then on June 19th, 1954, Parker wrote about the girls' carefully planned scheme, saying they were, quote, thrilled by the idea naturally we feel a trifle nervous but the pleasure of anticipation is great end quote Mm. so then on june 21st she wrote another entry saying quote we decided to use a rock in a stocking rather than a sandbag we discussed the moiter i feel keyed up as if i were planning a surprise party end quote which like that's a kind of fucked up thing to call your murder of your mom is (laughs) your moita of your mom is a surprise party yeah, I mean, there's clearly something else mentally going on here. Well, yeah, and that's where I also brought in, like, Parker, yeah, the, like, it's obsessive, she's not well. But at least I feel, I feel bad even saying this, but, like, at least Hume kind of has an excuse, because, like I said, she's being administered these drugs at this sanatorium that are later proven to fuck with your head. Yeah. So, and, and plus you're a teenager, and I'm sure that that did not help. Yeah. Like, we've all made some stupid-ass decisions as teenagers. Are they murdering our parents? Hopefully not. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's where we're at. So on June 22nd, 1954, 16-year-old Parker and 15-year-old Hume went on a walk with Honora in Victoria Park in Christchurch, New Zealand, after stopping at a local, like, tea room. 
They also called it a tea kiosk, and I don't know whether there's a difference. So okay. please don't. I'm not. I've never been to New Zealand, and I don't know if you can tell I'm not from New Zealand. Um, but yeah. So they went there, and then they went for a walk. And while they were in the park, they lured Honora to a wooded area about 100 meters or about 328 feet away from the path, mm-hmm. where the girls then held Honora down by the throat and brutally bludgeoned her, beating her over the head with a half a brick in an old silk stocking. Oh, and geez. they beat her over 20 times. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, Honora obviously did not survive this attack. She was 45 when she died. And the girls, covered in Honora's blood, then fled the scene and returned to the tea kiosk, where they told the shop owners, who also, I read in some reports that the husband, it was a couple who owned the shop, the husband was also the caretaker for the park. Okay. Um, So, that may or may not be accurate, but... They told the shop owners, Kenneth and Agnes Ritchie, that Honora had fallen and hit her head, with Parker allegedly sobbing as she told them, quote, please help us. Mummy is hurt, covered in blood, end quote. Hmm. So Agnes brought the girls inside to calm them down and, like, just kind of keep them safe, while Kenneth went to check on Honora. However, when he got to where Honora's body was, there were about... 45 protective wounds across her hands and neck, which could not have been sustained in a fall like the girls had described. And also her head was beaten in. Like, yeah. Yeah. So the authorities were called and soon they discovered the half a brick and bloody stocking thrown underneath some trees near the scene of the crime. And as the girl's story fell apart, they were eventually taken into custody. Uh, Parker was brought in first that evening and investigators, while they brought her in, did a search of her home where they found her diaries and her writings and everything, which included details of the moiter, the moiter, moiter. I don't know. Now I'm overthinking it. Um, And it included one diary that had a shocking entry for that day june 22nd which was titled quote the day of the happy event in parker's Uh. diary yeah so after all that jazz hume was brought in the next day june 23rd is that a train i have no (laughs) fucking clue to be completely honest i don't know if anyone can hear it because i don't know if uh i don't know if elliot like took care of this in post but um there's been a fucking siren. It just goes, burp, burp, like once an hour. It's the Moida siren. Moida's been detected. I have no fucking clue what the hell's going on anymore. Honey, none of us do. It's Continue. Fine. Okay. Thank you. I'm sorry for um, my rude outbursts. <laughs> so Hume was brought in the next day, as I was saying, and the girls were both charged with murder. Moida. Yeah. So the murder and the trial made national headlines. Um, this is not a common occurrence for New Zealand. And yeah, like, like in general, just kind of a surprising case. So it took like the media and just the country by storm. And mostly everybody was just shocked by the idea that two young girls would be capable of an atrocity like matricide yeah let alone murder like that they would kill a parent one of their parents and this parent like they they killed her because they assumed she i mean yeah obviously uh she was gonna say no clearly 
that she, her daughter could not move to a different country with her friend. Uh, but she hadn't even said no yet. No. She was the obstacle and they just needed to get her out of the way. They were like, oh, obviously, if we kill her, then everything's totally cool, right? Like, mm-hmm. no, no, there's, so- there's Some something teenager else going shit. on. Yeah. yeah. Like those fucking sanatorium drugs. Yeah. But anyway, so they were just they were shocked that they, that they could do this. Um, the press went wild with the prosecution describing the two two like as reported by the press. Yeah described them as quote dirty-minded little girls end quote and mm. one commentator wrote quote the city of christ church is reeling teenage girls don't go around murdering their mothers end quote so yeah. public opinion waffled between whether the girls were mentally unhealthy or evil lesbian temptresses um mm. it's always one or the other isn't it sometimes it's both <gasps> um but yeah, so the defense tried to have both of the girls declared not guilty by reason of insanity, uh, but the court shot that down after the girls were found sane enough to withstand trial. Um, the trial began on August 23rd, 1954, um, and subsequently became one of the biggest sensations of the time. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of them being not found insane, that's that's kind of good news given that they had been, had they been declared insane, they would have been incarcerated indefinitely in a mental hospital. And they also, because they were already suspected of being lesbians, like I said, like they're either mentally unhealthy or they're lesbians. There can only be uh-huh. one or the other. Um, they probably would have been subjected to one of the most popular treatments for homosexuality at the time, which was a prefrontal lobotomy. <gasps> yeah. So they did like, I, I mean, I'm not one to sympathize, but like they did get yeah. off. Like, regardless of what you've done, I don't think your sexual orientation or presumed sexual orientation yeah, should subject a, a you to something lobotomy. like that. Yeah. Yes. Jeez. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it just, they kind of dodged a bullet there, but because they were not declared insane, that also didn't really help them because the case then was like, all right, if they're not crazy, then that must mean they're gay. Then yeah, No, it, I was going to say, if they're not crazy, then they're evil. Evil lesbian temptresses. Yes. All right. That's gay. Um, <laughs> have you never seen an evil lesbian temptress? Because let me tell you, they're tempting and it's all right. evil. Okay. I'll um, take your word for it. <laughs> but so, yeah. So the defense counsel, Brian McClelland, later said, quote, well, the problem was they'd both confessed to it, and the only defense we had was insanity, but how could we find the two of them insane? And then this chap, Reginald Medlicott, comes along with this wonderful idea that they should have a filet à deux. So we went with that, end quote. I was going to say filet à deux at the beginning, but I didn't want to sound like a fucking... Twat. Fall Out Boy fan? Oh. <laughs> no, I, is that a Fall Out Boy song? It's I don't a Fall Out Boy album. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, no, um... It's like a shared my, delusion, my, right? Huh? It's yeah. a sh- like a shared delusion, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. The girls both, like I said, pled not guilty, and psychiatrists declared them to be delusional, quote, due to homosexuality, end oh, quote. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And most of the evidence <sighs> presented by the 17 witnesses at the trial emphasized that the girls had a weirdly close codependent relationship 
and how they fantasized about becoming famous writers. All of this sounds absolutely terrible. If I were to have a child, that sounds like a nightmare that I, my, my daughter is a lesbian who dreams of becoming a famous writer. Oh God. And she's in a happy relationship. Granted, not the healthiest if they're going to kill the mother, but as long as they're not killing me. Just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I know. Also 17 witnesses. Are they just like people witnesses. who knew these girls? Cause obviously no one saw the crime happen. Yeah, no, it was all basically like witnesses Character to them witnesses, being lesbians. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the diaries and their writings were also brought forth as evidence with Parker's entries, besides the ones in which she talked about the murders being used because they implied that the two had a sexual relationship. However, when Hume was brought to the stand and asked during the trial if Parker and she had had sex, she allegedly said, quote, how could we? We are both women, end quote. Huh. Which, like, I I know you're 15, almost 16, but if the 15 and 16-year-olds in my high school could figure out how to soak tampons and vodka and shove them up their vaginas to get drunk during homecoming, I'm pretty sure you can figure out how to have sex with another girl. I was also going to say, how far underground would you dig a hole if something you wrote when you were 16 had to be read aloud in court? Oh, I know. Oh, and it's something I wrote now. Yeah, right. I went through a really rough time, like maybe five years ago, and I wrote poetry <gasps> that I hope never sees the light of day. No, it's not a gasp about the poetry. It's the content of the poetry because I it was fucking going to read it right after pathetic. This. You are not. Nobody yes, is. Am. No, that along with my baby pictures are long gone. There is no evidence. Were you a fat baby? No, I was... <sighs> Long story short, and I can say this because nobody will ever see it, and I'm sorry for the quick personal story, but I promise you this shit is fucked up. Um, my mother, for whatever reason, was obsessed with getting my photo taken at, like, studios. I and I, I I get it. I was an IVF baby. I was a rainbow baby and all that other mumbo jumbo. But um, when I tell you that the longest time the... S- front and center photo of me like into into high school before again i made it disappear was a sterling silver frame with me as a as a baby in a diaper a pink feather boa and several strings of pearls and nothing else huh yeah i'm not into it i'm not next time next time you come over next time you come over we're recreating that photo oh please god no (laughs) we're doing it Oh, all right. Well, then you're buying the Depends. Okay. Um. So, yeah. So, after that, lovely. Ugh, great. So, lesbians. Um, so, lesbians. <laughs> so, basically, in less than two and a half hours by the end of the trial, um, the jury had reached a verdict and found that both Parker and Hume guilty of Honora's murder. A 1954 news report said that, quote, after the... Ver- Sorry. Said that after the verdict was delivered, quote, Parker looked across at Hume, whispered something, and they both smiled, end quote. Creepy. Yep. So because the girls were still minors, they were too young to be sentenced to the death penalty. Yeah. So they were instead sentenced to indefinite imprisonment, which was to be served separately with Parker serving out her sentence in Christchurch and Hume in Auckland, where she actually became the only child inmate in Mount Eden women's prison. Wow. And according to some sources, they were allegedly ordered never to contact one another again. Um, Wow. 
others said like oh that's just a rumor but others were like no they were legally told you can't contact each other i think that happens a lot if you like commit a crime with somebody especially if it's something like this where they they were so intertwined that you're not supposed to speak to like i don't think the menendez brothers are allowed to talk to each other anymore uh, that, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. I, I'm not sure. And also, I don't know if New Zealand laws are any different from American laws in that regard. But I do know that if you are like a parolee or anything like that, like obviously you can't be in contact with anybody with any kind of criminal history. Like yeah. otherwise, yep. that's that's no on you, my dude, unless you're at like a halfway house or like a support group or something like that like you're not supposed to have any contact with people who might like lead you astray yep exactly so yeah but yeah so uh, they ended up being in prison after serving about five years in prison um that was a lot of prison talk uh so indefinitely means five years indefinitely i think just means like they let you out when you're when you're rehabilitated but i can i can check that really quick um because and this was this was not recent correct this was i forgot what year you said this is 1954 okay yeah yeah so like it's i'm not saying that they're more lax about we talked about this a little bit with um chicago the the murders that inspired chicago um i'm not saying they were more lax with female criminals yeah i remember yep you know what i mean like it's just it's it's all kind of up in the air um but apparently according to wikipedia so take this with a grain of salt in new zealand indefinite imprisonment is called preventative detention and is handed down to individuals aged 18 or over convicted of a qualifying violent or sexual offenses if it is likely that the offender will reoffend, even if the maximum term of imprisonment otherwise allowed even if given the maximum term of imprisonment otherwise allowed okay so it just doesn't have a fixed length of time basically there's not a date set they don't have to be there for a certain amount of time. They're just released when they're released. And in Hume's case, I know she was released after five and a half years. I'm not positive about Parker. Okay. Um, not a lot of information is out there about Parker, which is by design. But we'll get into that because basically when they were out, both Parker and Hume separately changed their identities some some sources said that it was actually the legal system that had them change their identities so that they could basically like keep track of them but they could also live their lives out as like normal human beings like they served their time that sometimes happens to people who go to jail at a very young age yes they they have you like change your name and identity when you get out so that that doesn't follow you forever right right well and especially because like i said it was like the biggest story in new zealand yeah Um, especially with how big it is yeah 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 and everyone would know it yeah and it was at a point like they changed their names they moved out of the country like it was a whole thing for parker she changed her name to hillary nathan and moved to kent england where she became a devout roman catholic and started a writing school for children um another source said that she also possibly is really devoted to helping handicapped children now 
Um, oh, okay. I and I I know that handicapped isn't necessarily like the best term, but that's what they use, and I don't know whether that means like children with physical disabilities, children with developmental disabilities, um, what have you. Just she wants to help kids. Yeah. Um, her older sister Wendy has said in interviews that she now lives in a near as she now lives. I can speak <laughs> a near reclusive life, and that she quote committed the most terrible crime and has spent forty years repaying it by keeping away from people and doing her own little thing. End quote. And so that was about in the nineties. I want to say it was like ninety nine that, okay. that 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 interview went out. Uh, She also told New Zealand, or 94, excuse me, it was 94, because we'll get into it. Um, She told New Zealand Women's Weekly, quote, she doesn't have any contact with the outside world. She is a devout Roman Catholic and spends much of her time in prayer. She hasn't got a TV or radio, so would never have heard what Ann Perry had to say and wouldn't care, end quote. We'll get to Ann Perry in a minute. Okay. She also says that her sister told her that their mother's death, Wendy said that her sister told her that their mother's death was a situation that, quote, got out of hand. She said it was something that grew and grew out of all proportion. After it happened, she was very sorry about it. It took her about five years to realize what she had done, end quote. Hmm. Which is also about the time of her release. So that could also be indicative of, like, why she was released. Yeah. Meanwhile, Hume. So at the time of her release, she was 21. They put her on a flight to Rome, where her father took her back with him to the UK. She changed her name to Anne Perry. That's who I mentioned before. Okay. She converted to Mormonism in her 30s, and after working as a flight attendant and an insurance underwriter, among other jobs, she did, in fact, become a famous writer. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Anne Perry has sold over 26 million books. Huh. As of today. Wow. Yes. She's written over 100 fiction and nonfiction books, though she mostly sticks to fiction, specifically murder mysteries. Huh. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, she is in her 80s and she still has books coming out. She has her novel, A Darker Reality, comes out on September 21st. So in like a couple weeks. Yeah. And another one titled Three Debts Paid comes out next year. And she lives in scotland she has like a bunch of series that are like wildly popular like i'm talking thousands of ratings on goodreads i'm googling it right now ann perry ann perry uh a-n-n-e-p-e-r-r-y and she lived in scotland for a long time with her brother and she bought like basically the estate that they lived on her brother's like a researcher yeah um she bought the estate with like royalties from her book she's she's very well known she's pretty famous and she apparently did move to L.A. in 2017. Like, she moved to Hollywood, just like their fantasy said. She has but, an obscene amount yes, of books. Yes, that's what I'm telling you. She has over 100 oh. books. Like, some of her series have, like, 30 books to them. She has, like, a yeah. whole Christmas series. I like see that. The Christmas books. stories. Yeah. A Christmas journey. A Christmas visitor. A Christmas guest. A Christmas secret. A Christmas beginning. <laughs> and it goes on. Yes. Yes. She's got a fuck ton of books. And then, like, when I was researching, I think she might have done a collab with R.L. Stein, but I'm not positive. <laughs> because there was, like, a bo- I was reading, like, a list of her books. And then, in parentheses underneath one of them, it also said, by R.L. Stein. And I'm like, so what does this mean? <laughs> But obviously, I didn't use that source because I was like, I don't know what this means. And the source is not elaborating. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, she she literally she did it. She fucking did it. 
Um, I'm just trying yeah. to see if I know any of these books. And I, she writes a lot of series. Yes, so I don't. She's got a lot of series, I and they're know. they're like World War One, like they're historical fiction, or they're yeah. like the the guy is a police detective, and he wakes up and he doesn't remember anything, and he has to like solve mysteries. So it's and like Memento, piecing his life back together. I don't know, Haley. I still haven't seen Memento. All right. <laughs> I've seen the birdcage though. Um, we we got to bring we up the birdcage once an episode. Come on, crime culture bingo. We got to have a birdcage. Um, but yeah, so she lived. She moved to LA in 2017. Um, I don't know whether the pandemic changed that because, again, like as a woman in her 80s, I I'm sure that she was not feeling particularly safe out here yeah um as a woman in my 20s i was not feeling particularly safe out here i'm still not feeling 100 percent um but yeah she never had children um parker i believe may have had children i don't remember but she or yeah she never had children she apparently like she was very pretty she got a lot of boyfriends but she always like felt such guilt about like what she did and was just like i like she said something and it was like i know what it's like to feel like an outsider yeah and she just she felt so much guilt about what she did that she just could not like let somebody in basically to go off and have like a life with them yeah so all by herself doing her shit doing great like considering um and yeah apparently both women lived in scotland at the same time at one point but they have made because now i i guess um parker lives in scotland yep um but they've made no attempts to contact one another as far as anybody knows interesting yeah so it must have just been like a flash in the pan like shared delusion Mm -hmm. like one of those things we talk about perfect storm like one Perfect was storm yeah one was um taking medication that might have yep. altered their mental state obviously they were what 16 years old so the hormones mm-hmm. raging mm-hmm. that can result in any number of things but and wow, feeding off each crazy. other yeah um and we're not even done <laughs> that's wild so uh, as far as pop culture goes first of all this case went on to inspire michael ann forster's 1992 play daughters of heaven okay i couldn't find a lot of information on it other than that it has a 3.43 out of 5 on goodreads but people seem to like it okay cool um the big thing though is new zealand director peter jackson who people might know from a little series called lord of the rings among other things um his 1994 film heavenly creatures is based on this case i know heavenly creatures yeah yes then you know this case (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I don't um, know why. I, I mean, I just didn't put it together, but wow. No, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. So screenwriter Fran Walsh, who is Jackson's frequent collaborator and wife, um, she urged Jackson to turn the case into a movie because they just grew up alongside the coverage. It was so huge in their country. She personally had been obsessed with it when it like all came out. Yeah. Um, one of us. One of us. Um, so, Yeah. Instead of focusing on the notoriety, though, that surrounded the trial or the murder and all of the speculation that came with it, Walsh and Jackson chose to focus more on Parker and Hume's friendship, the real one, and not the one concocted by the press and their defense team when writing the script. So they tried to keep it, like, as historically accurate as possible. Yeah. That being said, 
The film doesn't exactly confirm or deny that they were sexually attracted to one another. Um, there okay. are, as you know, intimate scenes, yep. um, sex scenes, sexual scenes, whatever. I don't know, don't know why I'm being so awkward. But basically, these were the way the, the undertone was that these girls are basically role playing. So they're like doing shit, but they're not doing shit. Deborah and Gina are doing shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, their their alter egos almost are doing. Yes, it. yeah, yeah, if that makes sense. Um, but they they really did try to keep it accurate. Like they they filmed in New Zealand. They actually the tea shop they got it to delay being torn down until they could film it. So like the actual wow. tea shop, yes. Um, they went to actually film the murder scene. The murder scene is the one thing that's not accurate because Haley, if you remember, it's a very long drawn out scene and it's very. Yeah. It's very gruesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Jackson actually abridged it because in the, in the movie, I believe Honora's character is only like bludgeoned like eight times. Yeah. As opposed to 20. So it's like about twice as long, maybe yep. more in real life. Um, and he kept it very accurate as to like how hard that would be to bludgeon somebody to death. Um, but they apparently did go to the exact clearing where she was murdered in the park. Wow. And... He said that, like, in some interview, he said that basically they got there and all of the birds stopped chirping, the wind stopped, everything went silent, and it was so, like, creepy and spooky that they went to, like, another area of the park to film instead. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a good shout anyway, to not go to, like, the place to do kind of, like, a reenactment that kind of seems like... Yeah, uh, that seems, yeah, that seems fucked up, but in the 90s, yeah. I'm sure they did not think about that. Yeah, I mean, it just seems it seems kind of weird. Yeah, like I'm sure there are a lot of true crime uh, movies that have filmed in yes. the locations where the shit happened, and it just there's other places that look like it. Like you can also make on, it in a studio. There, there's some yeah. really incredible technology now. Yeah, some very talented people. Yeah, let's not turn the site of someone's murder into like a. Like, Mecca. like a pilgrimage of sorts. Yeah. yeah. But regardless, so the movie does paint a sympathetic portrait of how close and codependent the pair were and like how desperate they were and not that they were necessarily like crazy or like evil lesbian temptresses, just two teenage girls who are in way too fucking deep. Yeah. It sounds like they needed uh, several people to talk to. Yes, yes. Um, so the movie stars Melanie Linsky from Ever After and Two and a Half Men. And fun fact, she is from New Zealand. She's a New Zealand actress. Really? So like A plus work with that American accent because from Two and a Half Men, I really thought she was American. Huh. I'm reading this and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you're from what? They actually they went to schools like local high schools trying to find somebody to play Parker. She played Parker. Um they, they they actually that's how they found her like they walked into her high school and they were oh. like oh she could do it Interesting. and they showed her allegedly they showed her a video of kate um winslet who plays hume and, and like you all know i'm sure kate winslet she's famous for like you know like being kate, being winslet. kate winslet yes yeah. like like do i need to list her her resume like we know yeah um they showed her her audition and like the tape and they were just like that's how good you have to be 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it was Kate Winslet's breakout role. This was like, this was her huh. first like big thing. So the movie has a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, an 87% Google score, and a 93% tomato re- meter rating with an 83% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And the critics' consensus is, quote, dark, stylish, and captivating heavenly creatures signals both the auspicious debut of Kate Winslet and the arrival of Peter Jackson as more than just a cult director, end quote. Yeah. Um, really it did it put like their careers on the map yep and furthermore Walsh and Jackson were nominated for an Academy Award for best writing screenplay written directly for the screen that uh, the Academy ain't great with titles um, <laughs> in 1995 and the film was nominated for 10 New Zealand film and TV awards and of those 10 nominations it won nine wow yeah so the success of Heavenly Creatures inspired New Zealand journalist Lynn Ferguson to track down Hume to be like, okay, well, whatever happened to them? And so she went looking for Hume and found out her new identity as this successful novelist. And then obviously it became a huge story. Like, oh, like this big time novelist at the time the movie came out, I think she had sold like 20 million books. Like she yeah. was well into her career at that yeah. point. And it was like this huge news story that like, oh, this this girl, remember that girl that murdered her friend's mom? Yeah, she writes murder mysteries now. Damn. Like, so it was it was a big news story. And and like I said, like both Parker and Hume lived or Perry now lived very like quiet lives. They stayed out of the limelight. Um, but so when they when they found uh parker they couldn't even like really like get to her like her sister was like oh no 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 like i'll take this yeah um but hume she or perry she 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 really doesn't like to talk to people um but she has given a few interviews and since the movie came out she's gone on record discussing the case and confirming to the london times saturday magazine that parker and she were never in a romantic relationship despite the were they weren't they take that the movie portrays yeah she said they were just friends they were in a very healthy obsessive friend a very unhealthy obsessive friendship and perry said she quote made a profoundly wrong decision end quote by participating in the murder of her friend's mother and explained that she did so because their relationship was so unhealthy that she was afraid Parker would kill herself if she didn't help her, quote, and it would be all my fault, end quote. Yeah. Which, again, like, as a teenager, yeah, like, I kind of I kind of get that logic, especially when you've got all of those other perfect storm factors coming into play. Yep. Yeah. She also told Listener that she felt she owed Parker, who had written to her every single day when she was sent to a sanatorium for three months. And said, quote, the letters were a lifeline and I felt when she needed a lifeline, I owed her, end quote. Okay. So Perry has since said that she has made peace with her actions, quote, a long time ago. Yes. Admit you're wrong. Say you're sorry. And then move on from there, end quote. Hmm. And like I said, like she's still, they're both still alive. They're both still trucking. They're in their 80s. Um, Perry's got books coming out. Perry's had books written about her. Yeah. Um. Joanne Drayton wrote a biography called The Search for Anne Perry, which basically discusses, like, how, how like, they kind of, like, were like, oh, whatever happened to her? Yeah, at, how like, they, like, rediscovered her. 
Yeah, basically. And if you're into it, that's got a 3.28 out of 5 on Goodreads. Um, there's, there's a biography, like a documentary, I believe, about Ian Perry. Like, it, I think I saw that in my research as well. Okay. But yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a wild story, my dude. It is. And that's nuts. That's, yeah, that's the story. Of All right. Them heavenly creatures. The Moida. The Moida. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's a wild one. I'm glad we, we did this. Thanks. You know, I think we should keep doing this. This podcast? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll yeah. keep it up for a little bit. I guess. <laughs> um. Yeah. So our website is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and Patreon. We mm-hmm. talked about our Patreon up top, so if you would like to get into it, there are links everywhere. Uh, if you find one of our social medias, you found them all because you can go to any of our bios and the the link tree that's there. That has everything. And um, other than that, do you have anything to send us out on? Don't do Moita. Don't do be an evil lesbian temptress. Yeah, highly we need recommend more of those. Um, but other than that, don't forget about <sighs> Secret Satan. Don't forget about Secret Satan. We're in it. I thought We're there was a cat here. on me, but there was not. Uh, anyway, disappointment. I think so, we should just call it. That's just that's the yeah. disappointment of the right. day. Fine. Oh, and if you're in Texas, love to you. So yeah. sorry for everything that's going on in Texas. If you don't know, I mean, all the all across the country, just sorry. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're in uh <laughs> in the path of Hurricane Ida that swept through, I'm in uh North Jersey and we had a time. Uh mm-hmm. yeah, my high school was on the news because it is 100% flooded. So, Fun. I'm Global trying warming. to I know. I'm trying to work something out. Hopefully, if I get a GoFundMe together, if I know of anybody that's getting a GoFundMe together, I'll probably uh bump it on here just because Yeah. Uh, the auditorium of my high school was the worst affected, over four feet of water. The only part that wasn't touched was the last two rows of the um, the auditorium, the last two seats. And um, that's, uh, I mean, I grew up in that place. Like, that yeah. is that was my second home. So if, if we get any news about that, I will uh, definitely bump it here. So if anyone is generous enough and would like to um, to donate, then our music department could use it. Because music yeah. departments are historically underfunded. Mm-hmm. And now underwater. And now underwater. But we're we're doing all right. I made it out safe. I'm on the second floor of an apartment that's at the top of a hill. So I did pretty well. I'm glad for you, but mostly I'm glad for Bean. Yeah, he uh, didn't raise his head the entire time. It was torrential downpours. We got six. Uh, no, we got a month's worth of rain in six hours. Yeah. So and he that's normal. Didn't notice. He's fine. He's great. He's got nothing to worry about. Yep. (laughs) So on that note, we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Can't tell if you're frozen. No, you're not. Okay. Never mind. Bye.